Welcome into the Micah Micah podcast presented by Legendary Sports Network. Mike here writing solo for this episode. Mike is in Hawaii doing, uh, he's on a trip for the next two weeks. So I'll be here. Hopefully I get a guest on next week, but I just wanted to quickly drop an episode just detailing what went through the NBA playoffs, the second round, going through each game and then making my predictions for both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. I want to start with the first matchup, the quickest matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Bucks. Two weeks ago, uh, Micah and I talked about this, how we both thought the Bucks were going to win in six games. The Bucks took care of the Celtics in five games. This is a real problem for the Celtics. Uh, I believe that now the Celtics are in a spot where Kyrie's probably leaving. After listening to Terry Rozier making the rounds through ESPN today, He's probably gone, and now they are in a situation where they need another star because, as we've seen, Gordon Hayward still isn't 100% yet. He can't be that superstar, all-star he once was. Jason Tatum took a step back. He had a sophomore slump. Hopefully, he can get better with uh, Kyrie probably being out of the picture. And then Jalen Brown needs to also step up. They have an option with... uh, They have an option with Al Horford, who he's definitely going to opt into it. So, I think it's going to be... It's going to be tough uh, for the Celtics to try to get back into that spot where they come into the season with the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Now, if Kawhi decides to stay with the Toronto Raptors, they're no less than uh, they're no better than the fourth best team. And if you have a situation where KD leaves the Warriors and the Knicks are somehow able to get KD and Kyrie, then they're at a spot now the fifth best team in the Eastern Conference. So that's. That's interesting. It's going to be a very, very tough situation for them to navigate, but that's the cards that they were dealt. Danny Ainge has been able to do more with less, and if he loses Kyrie, he's still going to have a max slot. He can still trade for AD. He still has pieces to trade for AD, draft picks to trade for AD, so that will be very, very, uh, very, very interesting. Next up, I want to talk about the 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. That was a very fun series, back and forth, literally till the last shot of Game 7. Kawhi Leonard gets the four bounces, and the Raptors are able to advance. Now, for I know Mike and I definitely said that the Sixers were going to win this. I thought the Sixers were winning six because I didn't believe that they could win a Game 7 in Toronto. Kawhi just showed why he's one of the best two-way players and one of the best uh, players in general in, in the world. I did not believe in this team. I still don't really believe in this team. I'll get to my predictions for the Eastern Conference Finals, but Kyle Lowry wasn't amazing this series. Pascal Siakam in Game 7 did looked like he didn't want to shoot the ball. Uh, Serge Ibaka showed up, but he wasn't great throughout the series, and then Marcus Gasol on top of that. So I, I just didn't see how there was a way... I didn't see how there was a way that we could get that Raptors team to out-talent Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris, but they did. And it just goes to show that the Sixers are still a step away. Ben Simmons needs to get a shot because if he can't drive into the lane, if you're playing in the half-court set, it's hard for him to create his own offense. He almost becomes not relevant on offense because you have you had Jimmy Butler leading your offense. You had uh, J.J. Redick running off the screens. What, what was Ben Simmons going to do? Nobody's going to play up on him because he's not a three-point shooter. So what can you do? With Ben Simmons, uh, Ben Simmons player, you can throw him on Joel Embiid. You can help 
uh, go on Jimmy Butler. And we saw what that was able to do and how stagnant the Sixers offense became. With Brett Brown, we got the reports that he's coming back. This is going to be very interesting to see how he can navigate if they keep Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris or if Jimmy Butler and Tobias are both gone, what the Sixers do now to try to bolster their, um, their roster again. Moving on from that to the Blazers and the Nuggets, that was a very interesting series. Um, Jokic showed, I think this is his coming out party to a lot of fans that aren't big NBA player, NBA fans that just watch the playoffs, but I know for most NBA fans, we already knew who Jokic was. He was this triple-double machine that can do almost everything on the court, but they need another star. And Jamal Murray, yes, he had a good series, but in Game 7, he was not good at all. He wasn't able to produce at the level where the Nuggets were going to be able to beat the Blazers. They built a 17-point lead and weren't able to keep it. With Michael Porter Jr., I believe from last year's um, last year's draft, I believe he was the best player. I believe that if he was able to stay healthy, he would have been the number one pick. The Denver Nuggets have had him stashed away for a full year, a year for him to recover. He will be played in the summer league. He's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm going to be excited to see if we can get a Denver Nuggets versus um, Denver Nuggets versus. Uh, whatever team Zion is on for that summer league championship because Michael Porter Jr. is going to be very exciting. This Nuggets team, uh, this Nuggets team is going to be here for the long haul uh, with Jokic, with Murray, with Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, if they can pick up somebody in free agency this year, I don't believe they have a team option on Paul Millsap for $30 million. I highly doubt that they pick up that option just because $30 million is a lot for a player that is definitely on decline there. They can decline it and maybe rework a situation there. So the Denver Nuggets, I know it's not how you wanted the season to end off, being that you had the best home record this season in the NBA. But you're the number two. You were the number two seed, and the Warriors aren't going to be as good as we think they are if Kevin Durant leaves. So the West is starting to open back up, and the Nuggets can be right there to take to take that number one spot. But finally, I'm going to talk on the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, and Andrew Bogut. That 2015 Warriors team that was able to uh, be pretty great, win a championship, people doubted them. They said that the Houston Rockets were going to win this in seven games because Kevin Durant was out. He got hurt in quarter three of uh, quarter three of uh, game five. The Golden State Warriors were able to close it out. And the minute Kevin Durant got hurt, I said the series was over. But after Kevin Durant, after the excuse me, after the Warriors were still able to beat the Houston Rockets without Kevin Durant, without everything at home. Game five, I believe that the Golden State Warriors are going to win this series. And people were like, well, they're not the same team as 2015. Their bench isn't as deep. They don't have they don't have all the resources that they did before with uh with uh Martel Spade or just players like that who were able to give you eight to ten good minutes and a good rotation. Right now they have McKinney, they have Jordan Bell, they have uh Jonas Jarepko, Quinn Cook. Those players aren't as good as what the Warriors used to have because they didn't have those max contracts so they could spend on getting a pretty 
uh, deep bench like having your Barbosas of that time before. So I got where people were coming from. I thought that they, I didn't think they were going to win game six. I thought they would win game seven at home. But we saw that they still have it in them to be that team that is up around Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, and they work perfectly fine. Andre Iguodala, five three-pointers. Every single one of his three-pointers seemed like it either was to keep the Warriors in the game from getting blown out because the Rockets were uh, were starting to build up a lead, or one of those threes were to put the Warriors ahead and maybe start a little bit of a run. Clay Thompson, people forget how good he is because he took a step back once KD came. In that first half, if Clay Thompson doesn't go off, there's no possible way the Warriors are in this game as Steph had zero points. Draymond Green, he's the hardest on this team. He's been the hardest all ever since he arrived uh, with the Warriors, and he does what he does. He's going to get you your rebounds, he's going to get your assists, and he's going to hit a couple uh, of big shots. He's not a great shooter, but when the moments matter, he'll, he'll be able to get it done. And then going to Steph Curry. Steph Curry, I said a couple of weeks ago that for the past three years, Steph Curry hasn't really been great in the playoffs. And if you look at the numbers and what they've been able to do, Kevin Durant has been the one to carry them. Uh, Before Kevin Durant came, game six against Oklahoma City Thunder, against Oklahoma City Thunder, Klay Thompson was the one that went off uh, and allowed the Warriors to come back and beat them from that 3-1 deficit. So... I I was shocked. I, I mean, I, in the first half, I wasn't shocked when he had zero points. It, it made sense. It's Steph Curry's doing what Steph Curry usually does in big moments like this. He's not able to produce in the biggest moments. But in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter, he proved me wrong and he was able to go off. Yeah, it's one moment. And I'm not going to use that as my barometer of what he's been able to do uh, these past three years of the playoffs because we have a large sample size and he hasn't been able to do much in that large sample size so yes it was good that he got he was able to go off in that fourth quarter I appreciate it I love watching when a shooter of that caliber is able to go off but I have to see it him doing it in the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals if if KD is not able to come back I still going to pick the Warriors to win the championship uh, the reports that Boogie is probably going to be back maybe in the middle of this Western Conference Finals or probably by uh, the NBA Finals. So if they're back at full strength, this is still the most dangerous team in the NBA. Looking over to the Houston Rockets side, um, this is a problem for the Rockets. Uh, this is going to be a tough offseason just because this seemed like your this seemed like your opportunity, your moment. Last year, Chris Paul got hurt, and that's what eventually caused the series to turn. Uh, game six, Warriors were able to win uh, at home, and then game seven, 27 missed threes. That just doesn't happen, and you lost that. So this year, luck was on your side. The best player in the world, yes, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world, got hurt. And now you have to close out game five if you're James Harden. Not able to do that. Well, you have to extend the series at home if you're James Harden, Chris Paul, and the Rockets. Not able to do that. After in their post-game press conference, James Harden said, you know what? We have the opportunity. I know exactly what we need to do to beat the Warriors. I mean, if, if you say you know that, why weren't you able to? Chris Paul showed up. P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon. I'm not blaming James Harden, but as the leader of the Houston Rockets, what 
what what do you have to do? Clint Capella was terrible this series, but besides that, you, in that game five, you shot one shot. If you're so-called the best offensive player in the league, you should be able to create your own shot. You should be able to put up at least a shot. In game six, it, Chris Paul was the one that was keeping you guys in the game. And then at the very end, yeah, when it was a six-point game, you hit a long three. But by that point, free throws are deciding the game. And the Warriors, as good as they are on the free throw line, there was nothing that you were going to be able to do to stop uh, stop the inevitable of losing that series. So now they have to go out, try to reconfigure this team, try to get somebody in free agency. I saw... Um, a post that Jimmy Butler right now, uh, his favorite is to now go to the Rockets uh, this offseason. That will definitely help. Like I said, if KD leaves, the Rockets are, I probably would put them at the forefront of the best team uh, in the Western Conference, who I think will be going to the NBA Finals. But they have a ways to go. They have to get over this hump and beat the Golden State Warriors if they ever want to have a shot uh, of getting to to that next level moving on to preview the western and eastern conference finals i'll start with the eastern conference finals the milwaukee bucks and the toronto raptors i didn't really talk about the bucks um i talked about the celtics problems with the milwaukee bucks this is a very complete team malcolm brogdon is now back and they are now complete the way that they've been throughout the year paga saw i know he's hurt but he wasn't never he was never really in the full rotation the way that they're playing with that defense and Giannis being unstoppable, being able to drive and then kick out to a shooter either in Middleton, in uh, Brogdon, in Bledsoe, in Miritich, this team is going to be hard to beat. The Raptors were able to stop, uh, were able to stop Joel Embiid with Marcus Saul. Kawhi Leonard is going to have to pull double duty here, where he has to be the catalyst on offense and he also has to check the best player, one of the most unguardable players on defense uh, in Giannis. If that's the case, I think Kawhi is going to be able to slow down. I don't think anybody can stop Giannis. He will be able to slow down Giannis, but that leads to getting a situation where Malcolm Brogdon, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Moulton, they all could go off. And I think that this the difference between the Celtics and the Bucks is they can get their offense from so many different places. Who would have thought George Hill would have an explosive game? I I didn't see it, but the way that the Bucks run, if somebody is shut down, they could go to uh, so many different other pieces to get that offense. And I think it's going to be a problem that Kawhi is just going to get too tired. Yeah, I know he rested one-fourth of the season, but he's playing 40-something minutes each game. He has to put up 30-something shots like he did in Game 7. For me, it's going to be hard for the Raptors to beat the Bucks. I think the Bucks are... The best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, I'm gonna go with the Bucks in six games that they close it out in uh, Toronto. I think Kawhi's gonna be able to get two, but just as how the Celtics were able to steal one from uh, the Bucks there, but the Bucks were just able to roll. I think with the way Budenholzer, as good as a coach Budenholzer is, he's gonna be able to adjust to whatever the Raptors throw at him, and the Bucks will be fine uh, to win uh, this series. Moving over to the Western Conference, I didn't really talk about the Portland Trail Blazers. Damian Lillard sent the Oklahoma City Thunder packing home in the first round. CJ McCollum sent the Denver Nuggets in the second round. But I think both of those those players and the Trail Blazers will be 
set home packing in the Western Conference Finals. I appreciate, I love watching their game. I think that they play, they're one of the hardest playing teams in the NBA. You have um, Ennis Cantor, who is fasting through these playoffs and still able to put up big numbers. Uh, Damian Lillard didn't have a great series, but CJ McCollum was able to step up. You have players that are just gritty as Evan Turner, Alfaruq Aminu, but I just think that the Warriors' star power, even with Steph, uh, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, is just too much for, just too much for the Blazers. Even without Katie and Boogie, I think if you go Steph and Dame, you can cancel them out. You could go Clay and CJ, you can cancel them out. Draymond is better than anything that they have at power forward with Aminu. Uh, you have Kevon Looney, who was playing amazing in that last series. Uh, I think he was one of the biggest pieces that reasons that the Golden State Warriors won with his offensive rebounding uh, ability there. Andre Iguodala is better than Evan Turner. I just don't think that they have the firepower to keep up with uh, keep up with the Warriors. Yes, Damian Lillard is going to be probably going to be able to steal a game or two for the Warriors, but besides that. I, I think this is probably Warriors and six, and we get the two best teams, I think, all season in the Golden State Warriors and the Milwaukee Bucks. It's going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be very high scoring. But if KD's able to come back by game three because he's not playing in game one and he's unlikely for game two, if the Warriors are able to win those two games without him, it could get real ugly fast because all the Warriors need to do is win one game in Portland and it's a series the series is over five so i think my official prediction is going to be the golden state warriors at five games the milwaukee bucks at six games and we get a golden state versus milwaukee final now we have to talk about the nba draft lottery which is tonight um it's not no really analysis you can do on it. It's just you're hoping that you get uh, the ping pong balls. I just wanted to quickly touch on the reports that came out that if the Knicks get the number one pick, that they should they're thinking about trading that pick for Anthony Davis. If I'm the New York Knicks, I do not do this deal under any circumstance. Zion on his rookie contract is very valuable. You get somebody who is able to. You get somebody who is able to be potentially one of the best players coming into the league already. And if the reports stay true, you have KD and Kyrie. So that's two max spots that you're able to fit. And now you're looking at a team where you have Zion, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You have Kevin Knox. You have Alonzo Trier. I mean, you have uh, Mitchell Robinson. That's a pretty good team already. And... The fact that they now want to go ahead and say, you know what, they have to get a guarantee that AD is going to sign an extension, but you know what, we're going to trade for AD and then we're going to get KD potentially or maybe get Kyrie. I think that's totally, that's, I don't, I don't really like that. I mean, yeah, you have the possibility of getting KD and AD probably the an unstoppable force with those two players but you can also have the potential of having Zion who's supposed to be the way he's projected projected supposed to be an all-star in this league you have KD who I believe is the best player in the league and Kyrie a top three point guard top three to five point guard in the league and yeah 
you don't know what exactly Zion's going to be, but you know that AD is a good player, but has had injury problems, hasn't been able to really do anything yet, playoffs wise, wise except for last season. So if if I'm the <laughs> if I'm the New York Knicks, I say you know what, I'm going to roll the dice, I'm going to try to get Zion, and hope Zion's enough to attract superstars to the team because this is a pretty deep uh, free agency class. If you can't get a KD and Kyrie, you can now try to get a Jimmy Butler. Uh, you have. Jimmy Butler is available, Tobias Harris, Boogie Cousins, who is hurt, uh, who who is hurt. If you can get back to where he is, you could probably get him on a on a cheaper deal than a max contract there. And there's just so many ways you can play if you keep Zion and you keep those two max spl- slots. But by going ahead and trading that number one pick, you're eliminating one max sp- slot by bringing in AD, and it just becomes a problem all around again. You've had one superstar with not that great of pieces around him. You don't want that type of situation again uh, with AD as AD just came from that in the Pelicans and they weren't able to do anything. So I think it will be interesting to see who wins the lottery tonight. Uh, me, personally, I'm a Washington Wizards fan. We have a 9.2% chance to get that number one pick. So I'm hoping for that. Zion to DC, let's start the movement. But I think that's going to be all for me today in this solo episode of the Mike and Micah podcast try to get somebody on next week so we can break down uh what's going on in the eastern and western conference finals talk about who got the number one pick and where do they go from here and probably start getting our nba mock drafts uh out as soon as possible maybe next maybe as soon as next week but that's gonna do it for me here i'll see you guys next week on the mike and micah podcast peace